Welcome to the Fanboy Forecast Audio Podcast. All things manga and anime, and talking about video games. Bryce will speak his mind, discussing all the wrongs and rights. It's the Fanboy Forecast. It's the Fanboy Forecast. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Fanboy Forecast. I'm your host, Bryce White, and I'm here with Annalisa. Hello. Hello. And today we're talking about a movie, The Boy and the Beast. Yes, but that's not, <laughs> that's not how they say it. <laughs> yeah, they do. Trust me. <laughs> that scares me. <laughs> uh, but first, anything else you want to talk about? Well, so what have I been into? I actually have been taking a little bit of a break from video games because I realized I was playing video games and I wasn't even enjoying it. It was just like, <laughs> oh, this is what... I'm going to do now because I'm taking a break, so I guess I'll play a video game. And then I, like, remembered that there are other things I like to do, like watch things and read things. So I haven't gotten as far as reading things, but I have been watching a lot of things on Netflix. Bryce and I will probably do, like, a Castlevania one at some point. They just released the new season. I've been watching this cooking show called Salt, Fat, Acid Heat. It's, like, really hard to remember the right order of the four components, but it's really good. It's just food porn, and the host is very down-to-earth but charismatic, and it's just really cool. You learn a lot of things. I'm going to make Bryce watch the episode on Japan with me eventually because the second episode is all about salt in Japan. Mm. Yes, Bryce likes that. What's the acid going to be about? Do you know? I don't know. I didn't look ahead. The heat's um, probably going to be like hot sauce, I would imagine, or spicy food. Probably. So, yeah, I, I can't think what acid would be necessarily off the top of my head. I don't know if she meant heat that. I thought she meant heat maybe in terms of temperature. I, don't, mm. I haven't looked at the episode list, though. It's kind of, hey, food, we cook hot <laughs> or something. Yeah. That seems a little boring. Well, very temperature broad. seems pretty important for cooking food, though. That's true. <laughs> the fat episode specific, I don't know if she just, I don't know. I didn't look at the episode list, so there might be multiple episodes on each thing, but she did a fat episode on Italy, which is all about, like, cheese and pasta and other stuff so that was pretty cool the other big thing that i've been watching i marathoned a bunch of sabrina mm. the chilling adventures of sabrina the mm. new sabrina how's melissa joan hart doing she still fit the role she's a lot older now so i thought maybe it'd be a weird thing to be a teenage witch are you joking are you serious <laughs> <laughs> that was very deadpan delivery <laughs> no it's a new actress in the role who was also on mad men her last name is, Sh- is shipka or something i forget her first name mm-hmm. but she's really really good in it i love archie I love Sabrina. I love all iterations of Sabrina. I like the funny sitcom. But I definitely feel like if you're going to do a Netflix multi-series thing, why not take the opportunity to do a Buffy-like thing? And that's kind of what they did. It's a drama. It's supposed to be dark and scary. There's like a few scary moments, but it's all stuff that like 13 and under crowd could still probably watch maybe. I don't know. They have some really bad language and sexual aspects Mm. in it too. So I'm thinking it's like maybe the earliest audience could be starting in preteen, like edgy preteeners, and then go up a little bit. But it's not that scary it's more campy than scary but it's fun campy and i love campy stuff especially halloween style campy stuff halloween is one of my like favorite aesthetics and seasons and the show is just all about that it's actually more closely based on a newer comic that came out about sabrina that's horror and the comic actually is scary it looks Mm -hmm. pretty scary but they definitely toned that down for the show although it still has a lot of darker aspects i don't know i'm just i really like 
it. I agree with reviews that are like it has that Netflix bloat because Netflix doesn't have to worry about times and stuff. And like, I do think that a lot of the shows that we have on TV that have been structured around these commercial breaks go a little bit too fast sometimes. But I also feel like Netflix adds too much more. Like, I feel like there's a happy medium in between those like really too fat, like hyper paced TV shows and then Netflix which just has like scenes that go on forever and you're like what is the point (laughs) Sabrina isn't too bad for that but it does weigh that does weigh it down a little bit overall though it's just really fun the review scores have been generally high and I agree with that so is there still Salem still there is there a cat that talks? Oh, yeah. Okay. The, their take on Salem is interesting. It's mm-hmm. not as... Um, it's a dog. It's not as prolific as the other Salems. Like, mm-hmm. this Salem doesn't really talk barely ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have an interesting take on it where, like, the familiars are ogres. rather. So, like, Salem in the sitcom was this witch who had been cursed, who he, like, tried to take over the world. Yeah. So they'd cursed him, right? And he had to be as a cat. And I think he had, like, a certain amount of years mm-hmm. he had to do as a cat, and then he could be free. So they actually kind of split that character for the show. So there's a cousin Ambrose that stays with them that did something bad, is in trouble, and is on, like, witch house arrest. And then there's Salem the cat, who's just, in this world, familiars are ogres that transform into animal shapes to stay with their person, and they give advice and are protective of their witch masters. But because Sabrina is a very, like, woke teenage witch she doesn't want to be the master she, this kind of reminds me of like the Hermione Dobby thing from Harry Potter Bryce wouldn't know that because not a Harry Potter <laughs> person <laughs> but she's like I'm not going to be its master we're just going to have a partnership so she just basically gets a feral goblin to agree to partner with her and the goblin turns into a black cat and names itself Salem and that's and you don't really hear the cat talk it just sort of meows and then she like Mm. responds to it like you can kind of guess what it said from the way she Mm. responds Uh, but I'm sure they decided actual voiceovers would be too cheesy it's a good subtitle or something if if you had really important things to say I guess (laughs) the cat is one of my favorite parts because my dad had a black cat and that looked just like this cat and the cat is just really cute and it's just nice for some of the scarier darker scenes suddenly there's a cute little cat running around Mm. but yeah i really really like it i recommend it it's way too long for bryce to watch with me otherwise i would suggest we watch it together but uh, Uh, yeah it's not the premise doesn't grab me but well you never really liked buffy huh no it's got a very Buffy flair. Grant never really watched a ton of Buffy, so... It's definitely that sort of, like, kids in a small town who have some supernatural aspects to them start having <laughs> to face supernatural demons and stuff like that together. Um, I guess I saw Buffy... How did I see Buffy? I feel like I saw episodes because they were after... It was always after something else I was watching, like maybe after wrestling or after, <laughs> like, cartoons or something on Saturdays. I don't yeah. know. When did Buffy usually play? Is that a, what was it rated? Like, was it like a teen audience for that, or was it, it was, adults? It was teen. Okay, yeah, and that makes sense then. Angel after. was supposed to be more for adults. I watched a bunch of Buffy in college because I some of my roommates were real Buffy heads, and they they kind of like like gave me a tour through the series and stuff. I would say I don't know. Teen Wolf is another show that reminds me of it. Teen Wolf was like a more recent series that I kind of fell off of, but first couple seasons I really liked. They were really well paced and really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I don't really know what happened after that. Some of the plot twists that I kind of get, kind of got aware of, I wasn't too keen on. But yeah, I think it's a really good show in that vein. It's definitely like a Buffy 2.0, maybe a little bit darker potentially than Buffy. Yeah, I recommend it. What else you got? That's it. Let me down again. 
Well, I gave you a cooking show. Yeah. And I gave you a 10 episode, one, 10 one hour episode series. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so, like, I'm sorry, maybe. Is it just because it wasn't video games? It was just TV shows? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just razzing you. I know. Busting your hard chops. time. Yeah. Okay, so me? Me? I've been playing a lot of Splatoon 2 lately. I got back into it. <laughs> you didn't even wait for me to say. <laughs> maybe we're not on you yet, right? Oh, okay, fine. What else you got? Okay, well. What's up with Splatoon? I saw you playing Splatoon this morning. Yeah, I got a new I got a new outfit for my Splatoon, my inkling, like a school outfit. It looks cool. Okay. It's like, she looks like um the girl from actually not it's violent, but the like the, the you know remember uh, Kill Bill, the girl with the ball and chain. What's her name? I forget. I don't know. Oh, anyway, you look kind of like her <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's fun. I it has a single player mode, which I didn't really ever dive into when I first got the game back last year. So I sort of felt compelled to do that on like a trip, and it's very fun. It's I wouldn't say it's the reason to buy the game, but it's a very nice extra. It has like cutscenes, full on, or not cutscenes, but like a, a decent story, full on boss fights, like unique boss fights, lots of unique mechanics that aren't in the multiplayer mode, like bounce pads, and I guess there are zip lines in the multiplayer mode, but stuff like that's really fun. And kind of a, level, a light leveling system as well. But from playing that, I got back into the multiplayer, and that, that's really a fun game still. I can see why it's popular. It's definitely the best thing Nintendo's made as far as like new properties go in a while. Hmm. I'm trying to think of like something new where they've done that would be like one of their big properties now, but. Anyway, it's really fun. I I played during the Splatfest, which is this thing where you sort of choose a team. It's usually like Mayo versus Ketchup or Trick versus Treat. This was Trick versus Treat for Halloween. And I took... I- I picked Team Treat, and I guess you didn't fight other t- uh, Team Tricks. And whoever like votes the most for t- it goes down to, like three points. It's whoever got the most votes gets one point. Whoever had the best record in normal matches gets a point. Whatever team, whoever had the best record in like pro matches. But I don't know what those are, but I guess like a higher level of play that I'm not privy to. And we won. Team Treat won. Good. And it's fun. They put on a whole like concert out in the square and the lobby and stuff. And Pearl and Marla, uh, Marina, Marina and Pearl. Those are the new ones. The new pop idols that do the uh, the news i hope that there was a lot of candy <laughs> no <laughs> no 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 i guess like did they not like prep different decorations based on who won oh um no they didn't do that actually no because the flap kind of ends and they have to, we have to t- tally the results and they don't tell you to the day later who actually oh. won but we got a lot of costumes though we got like a jason mask the hockey mask you can wear oh, no. <laughs> or um like devil horns or one of those ghosts that have the tag in front of their faces i forget what they are from like folklore Japanese folklore, yeah, 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 just like a spirit. Yeah, you can um, one of those too. It's fun. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's good. It's not a game I want to play like over and over again in multiplayer matches, but like it's good for like three rounds. Jump in. Yeah, I think those like those match like trick versus street or whatever versus whatever seem to be fun. They used to do really in the first platoon they had really fun ones though, like Pokemon Red versus Pokemon Blue or, oh, really? or Autobots versus Decepticons. <laughs> like, oh, really? They, they got really they got really crazy with it. This is a little more like, you know, cats or dogs or ketchup or mayo, I don't know. Oh. I like it when it's like a branded thing, as bad as that sounds. It's more fun. <laughs> it would have to be cats. I don't know who won that. I don't even want cats or dogs. I know. Well, I'm not saying about who won. I'm just saying if you're saying cats versus dogs, of course it would be cats. You think more people would pick cat? I just think cats are better. Well, that's not what the. That's not <laughs> what this is about. This is about who wins. Oh. Who has the drive to win more? Dog lovers or cat lovers? That's the question. Cat lovers, because okay. cats are objectively better than dogs. So um, that what was else? fun. But that's enough about Splatoon Two. <laughs> Let's talk about our topic: the boy and the beast. You didn't say it that time. You kind of did. The boy and the beast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Where do, where should we start? Uh, the premise, I guess, this is the um, this is a movie uh, by the director, I believe, of the um, Wolf Children and Girl Up Through Time and Summer Wars. Correct? That's the same. Oh, yes. Okay. But hold on, your yeah. first statement. 
It's mm-hmm. a movie. What'd I say? It's a movie. Oh, I saw a movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very I'm unlikely. my mind here. <laughs> that, well, that's, that's not what I meant. But yes, <laughs> yeah, Bryce doesn't really watch movies except anime movies sometimes. Yeah, every so often. I feel, I feel inclined to do so. But yeah, the director, I love him. A huge Summer Wars is one of my favorite movies. The Girl Who Left Through Time is one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as keen on... The Wolf Children one, although I still liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've seen all those. Uh, so he, he did a One Piece movie back in 2005, mm-hmm. which is a very strange movie. It's a, a six One Piece movie, and I guess it's just very different tonally, and especially stylistically as well, and it's kind of awesome for that. <laughs> I kind yeah. of always appreciated it, even if it doesn't feel like One Piece so much. There's yeah. something about it. It's like hearing that scene interpretation differently is kind of cool, especially in a movie he, setting. He also did the first Digimon movie, and you can <laughs> yeah. see, and it's like, Whoa. When yeah, you watch right. that movie, it's like the animation is really good <laughs> and yeah. on this plot that's like just a Digimon plot and it's almost like kind of weird. But you can see, I feel like that's actually a good movie to watch to kind of get a sense of his style, which is that he's really good at the little character details of people in their everyday lives. And in the One Piece movie, I think you see his more kind of choppy, freeform way of animating, mm-hmm. which I think he's kind of scaled back on a little bit in his later movies. His later movies are not so, I think, kind of shocked. They're not so bombastic and dramatic mm-hmm. in terms of playing with perspective and movement right. and stuff. It's more about the story and getting those little character beats and stuff. And in that way, it almost reminds me tonally a little bit more of The Girl Who Left Through Time, which was a little bit of a quieter movie that way. Mm-hmm. I would say both Wolf Children and The Boy and the Beast are more like that. But he can be a very bombastic, dramatic mm-hmm. animator when he wants to be, too. Yeah. So The Boy and the Beast is about a boy named Ren who runs away from home because he lost his mother. His father's been out of the picture for many years. And I guess his like the head of the family wanted to take him in. and He didn't want to do that, so he ran away. <laughs> He's in Shibuya, and he's just sort of, at, at this point, he's just sitting on the side of the road where this guy, these two people walk by, or people, quote-unquote, in cloaks, and it, it turns out they're these beast people that are from another world, kind of like a parallel dimension, because they sort of feel each other's worlds when things happen. And the, the beast, the main character, the beast, seems to want to take him on as a apprentice or a pupil, because this beast is in a, like kind of a rivalry with another one of these men, uh, beast men to become the new leader of the clan, or of the city, the new lord of the city. And he needs pupils to be able to be considered, and he has no pupils. So he decides to pick this random kid, and the kid doesn't seem too into it at first, but then he ends up following Kumatatsu, which is the name of the boy, uh, the beast, to the beast's world. They basically get, start to get along and get along, quote-unquote, but like in a sort of a messenger chops in a more of a loving way, and he sort of becomes their, his disciple. And I guess he trains him really to fight. <laughs> it's usually the big thing they do, <laughs> and that's sort of the premise of it. It's a nice story thematically. It seems to be a lot about fatherhood, obviously, is one aspect of it, but it's also a lot about strength. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that they start to not just argue all the time and start to actually train with each other is they go on this like pilgrimage to some of the other great spirits of yeah, the that lords dimension. Of the, yeah. yeah. To ask like what is strength? And then each lord tells them what they think strength is. <laughs> and it's all it's kind all of different. weird. Yeah. So it has like some philosophy. And then I, so I definitely feel like in that coming of age story, they're kind of saying like, what is strength? They never really have a moment at the end where they're like, strength is love or anything no, like that. Which but, I kind of am okay with. I don't know if I needed that necessarily. Yeah, but I feel like that is kind of true. what's implied. Mm-hmm. That something, something's message similar to like that, that strength is more about like, the bonds that you have and the compassion that you show other people. I liked it. I liked the story. Yeah. A lot one more action than I think a lot of 
I guess Summer Wars had more has had some action in the cyber world, but this is very about a lot of fighting going on for one of these movies, I think. One of his movies. Yeah. And very well animated fights, I thought, as well. Like the initial fight on the street I thought was really fun with between the, the two uh, candidates. Yeah, that was good. And then he, the, our buddy Kamatsu gets beaten, but, you know, hey, he can't start off winning. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> I guess none of the fights were as dramatic visually as the Summer Wars fights. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of imagination in them. Well, the final fight. With the... In the One Piece. that yeah. yeah, the final fight I really thought was visually really <laughs> interesting, kind of beautiful with the way that there's, like, at the end, the villain, there's a villain that comes up, not to give away spoilers, but there's a villain that comes up and then, then does a transformation but it's like a very different transformation than like when you think of like a final transformation in anime mm-hmm. and it's kind of like strangely beautiful mm-hmm. i thought that i know i just really i thought it was a sweet story i thought that it told its story well i thought the montage they did of him of ren starting to train but not really letting the beast know he was training with him. He started doing the household chores and imitating him, though, yeah. at the same time. That was a very clever way to, like, sort of get Ren going with his training. Because yeah. the initial training session they have goes very poorly because uh, Okumotetsu doesn't know a thing about training somebody, yeah. especially someone who's so inexperienced. <laughs> In fighting, much less not even a beast, but a human. <laughs> he just insults him too much, and then the kid can't really learn. So it's better when they're both of them are like pretending that they're not training is almost more productive for them. Mm, yeah, and a lot of time passes, and I didn't expect this to happen. I thought it was going to be just him. I don't know why I thought this, but I didn't. I didn't know they were going to like age him eight years, or you know, go from nine to seventeen. That didn't surprise me because I think in some of the trailers and teasers, yeah, you, you see him at different ages. So I knew that was going to happen, and that way kind of reminds me of. Like, like the Lion King, where it got mm. like a pretty good, like 50% of the story is a kid, 50% is an mm. adult. Well, it's the only way they could believably make this kid seem like he actually was strong. He, if he was like 10 years old and could do what he does at 17, yeah, no, that be, a year realistic. of that doesn't, yeah. So, yeah, but um, once he ages up, then he ends up starting to have feel a callback to wanting to go back to his old world. Just to sort of, what, what, why does he do it? He just sort of like he finds the way back by chance, and then he decides to like start trying to read books in that world and realize he can't because he's never really schooled properly in literature <laughs> and reading. I mean, I think that was his original world. It makes sense that he would want to go back to it. I thought it was really cool that part because usually when like in these sort of stories where like a young kid or a young per- or just the main character is transported into like another world, there's like a lot of visual dramatics and energy spent on like making this new world look really cool. And I kind of felt when they went to that new world, I almost felt like, oh, it's not that visually interesting actually it's not at all when i think about like bearded away or that disney movie coco recently mm-hmm. where it's just it amazes you those scenes when he, they initially go into the other world but when he goes back to the human world after being in this world for like eight years or whatever they give the human world the same sort of like reverence of a fantasy world and i thought that was really cool and kind of amazing. So I don't know, that was really interesting to me that they did that. And I think he was just, at that point, the human world was the interesting world that he didn't know anything about and wanted to explore. So of course he wanted to explore and get back to his roots and everything. So that made sense to me. In the later half of the movie, he starts to feel torn between 
the spirit world or a beast world where he's become like the super kung fu fighter and has mm-hmm. like this prickly father-dad relationship with the beast that trained him. And then the human world where his dad is out there somewhere. He meets a girl who encourages him to go to college and stuff. So I thought that's the main conflict of the movie and I think they resolved it pretty satisfyingly a little bit. I was kind of, well, it's spoilers, but Mm kind of thought he would go back to the world that he doesn't choose a little more often to visit, but he Mm -hmm. ends up not going back ever. So they say that in the epilogue. I'm like, really? Couldn't Mm -hmm. you just like visit people sometimes? Yeah, I kind of thought that about, well, I won't say Wolfchildren has something similar to that in my mind, but I'll talk about that either. But yeah, with a character who had to choose between two worlds and could have visited the other one, you know, why can't? just just decided not to. (laughs) (laughs) like unnecessarily angsty yeah that said um this didn't feel very angsty though most of the time for sure no Mm -hmm. it was just cute Mm -hmm. it wasn't i felt kind of a little bit sad at the end when the father and the beast father and the human son were not getting along and not saying that they love each other Mm because they clearly loved each other like i felt a little bit you know teary and stuff but overall like for i feel like a movie that's supposed to be about emotions and hit you in the fields didn't really hit me in the fields that much i just thought it was like fine i don't know i kind of wanted it to get me a little bit more yeah, they never had that like big moment where the beast and the boy kind of have like a big hug or something you know or they're you know they finally like or they say like i love you to each other something like that you know because i mean the beast has more or less been his father for the past eight years yeah i don't know if they needed yeah. to but they kind of keep with that like gruff like tough love relationship kind of throughout the whole <laughs> the whole time yeah, that's fine, yeah. I think. That said, though, I think they did a good job of making the Beast uh, develop as a character through mm-hmm. Ren. After taking Ren in, you know, after years, he became so much more sharper, more, um, at least in his fighting style for sure, as disciplined and, you know, kind of became more of a threat to the uh, the other Beast who wants to become the Lord as well. And when this movie starts out, like, there, it's very obvious who everyone loves and who is the most pupils and who's, like, the stronger fighter. It's this guy. And, you know, the Beast, uh, Kumatetsu, he, he's very gifted physically, but he, like, they say, like, he taught himself how to fight the whole, his whole life. So he never really learned a lot of other things, and he's also very undisciplined, which I think doesn't, works against him a lot in the sort of combat he has with the other Beast. Yeah, I thought that was done well. I feel like in a lot of these, like, student mentor relationships, you get shown how the student benefits, but I thought this was a neat example of them both benefiting equally and almost the teacher benefiting a little bit more and growing a little bit more and learning a little bit more like the kid actually teaches him teaches him some aspects of fighting in addition to you know like responsibility and compassion and things like that i almost feel like even though it was like a longer movie like it was a little bit too long in some ways i almost feel like the seat the relationship between the kid between kametsu kametsu right Kuma Tetsu. Kuma Tetsu and that, what was the kid's name? Ren or Kyota he named. It was named by the beast, but in the human world he's Ren. I almost feel like there was a scene missing there somewhere that made me care about their relationship even more and then got a little bit closer about it. Mm. Like Something I noticed like in this movie is that the camera was always kind of far away from them, mm-hmm. especially in the scenes of their relationship. And I almost wanted it to get a little bit closer 
and then his two buddies were always there in the bonding relationships. And I, I mean, I thought that was oh, fine so, yeah. that they, it was like a little family, but like there was like something missing. I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Like it just needed a little bit more of a nudge of like the movie getting me to really care about the characters and their relationship. The funny arguing that was cute and funny, but like I just wanted like three minute more mm-hmm. sentimental scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. I think that they did a good job, though, with the sons of the other beast, how they were bullying. Remember the one son was like sort of, well, the other son, the one son, we'll not talk about that one, but the one who was bullying him. Yeah. And then he managed to like kind of beat him. <laughs> and then he was like, you're so cool. Let's be friends or something. No, that was cool. It was fun. I thought I was going to like run away, but no. I like yeah. the villain, too. I felt sorry for him. I thought that. He kind of came out of nowhere, though, for me in some ways. He's definitely foreshadowed. Yeah, but not in the way that I didn't expect. It. I mean, I, I was surprised when that went down so darkly. <laughs> I don't know. And then they kind of, they actually explain the villain's motivations after the fact. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather than before. They don't explain this whole thing. Like early on, the one, the the, the, the rival, he explains to um, the beast that, you know, humans have this darkness in them that will eventually come out and ruin our world. And I never really, they never really explain that very well or why that's the case with humans. For that part, I, I didn't really feel like I needed a bigger explanation. But I was like, why? <laughs> why? Why just humans? I never really got that. I didn't need like a detailed explanation. It was like, I don't know, something about like humans have a horrible way of being conflicted in their emotions or something. You know, stuff like that, that beasts don't. I don't know. Well, I thought metaphorically it worked in terms of the two human characters that end up in that world. Metaphorically, that worked for both of them because they were both orphaned and mm-hmm. somehow just denying parts of themselves. I actually think the villain's characterization wasn't great, but the villain existed, existing, kind of characterized the opponent of Kam- Kamametsu. Yeah, Kumatetsu. Yeah. Like Kuma like bear and then Tetsu. I yeah. Think, so you say it. I'm no expert. What was the name of the rival? Oh, uh, some of the Iozins. Iozin. Uh, yeah. That kind of like characterized Iozin more for me and kind of like showed me that even though he seems perfect, he's not a good next Lord candidate mm-hmm. because he is too arrogant to see the mistake that he's making and that he's asking someone to deny a crucial part of themselves. And he's also being dishonest. Yeah. And I don't feel like traits like arrogance and dishonesty and also just a lack of empathy or understanding of what mm-hmm. he's making the, the person who turns into the villain go through. Yeah. I know we're speaking really vaguely we just don't want to spoil it but i thought that was interesting in terms of how they don't have to like say it or have him doing something evil like you just kind of understand like okay so he actually in the end he wouldn't have deserved it because of this you know Mm -hmm. so i thought that was neat and i i don't know i thought ren was cute thought he was a good character i thought he was really cute he definitely gets angsty at some points i feel Um, like it's not i mean it's definitely realistic for what about the girl he befriends it seems like the major character we haven't talked about yet i kind of felt like she was just there to be the girlfriend and she's like so unnaturally supportive of yeah. everything and he saves he saves her from being bullied once but then all of a sudden now she like became his like best friend very quickly it just felt like it was very um and she does so much for him like yeah. she teaches him she puts herself in life and death situations they do kind of show a little bit of like what she wants but it's very fleeting and i can only I, it was one of the things where they it didn't feel like time passed very much during the time he, she was tutoring him Mm-hmm. I thought, like, as much as I love the, I love the uh, montage of like 
them training. I felt that montage or when, the, you know, him at the library with her. It just didn't seem like much time passed. And all of a sudden, now he's ready for the college exams. <laughs> it just, it, yeah, it would have been interesting unnatural. if there had been a bigger montage for that. And then it could have been a parallel to when he was mm-hmm. training as a kid, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That would have yeah. been a little more in, an interesting way to do it. And I think the under-focus on the, the kind of relationship I was more interested in was him and his father that eventually happens later on. Yeah. Which I don't think, I, I would have liked more time on that, maybe. Maybe less time with the girl when it was all said and done. I just, the girl felt very unnatural into the story. I liked the father introduction because I also felt this is a, I mean, this is a director, the more you get a sense of it. He doesn't like to explicitly tell you things. He mm. likes to show you things. Yeah. And that's both his greatest strength when you're like, oh, so that's why this was that way. But it's also his greatest downfall at times when you're like, I didn't really get that part. But yeah, the father, I think it kind of helps explain why this kid was so against his extended family in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. where you're like, kid, I know it's hard. Your mom died. They're just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are being kind of callous and stuff, but like he's so against them. And you're kind of like, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. They're just like, I mean, of course he's got to go with them. They don't know where the dad is and the mom yeah. just died. Yeah. And then when the dad comes in, you kind of realize, oh, I, it's not that the dad was this abandoned yeah, him. Yeah. It seems like actually the family was keeping the mom and the kid from the dad. And the kid had a, a sense of that, that they were going to basically, if he'd gone with them, I think they would have kept being a barrier mm-hmm. between him and the dad unnecessarily. Yeah. And that's kind of part of why he was like, I don't want to go with you. So he essentially just disappears in the human world. He's right. considered missing for eight years. So in the end, he still doesn't get to be with his dad, which is sad. But you know, he'd have probably a better time than he would have had with those relatives. Yeah, maybe. I don't <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? These can seem like a pretty cool place, though. I wouldn't mind being raised there if I were. Maybe yeah. if I were a beast, I don't know if I want to be a human there because they could kind of, they were pretty, he was pretty looked down upon. Yeah, until on, he so. got kung fu skills. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you can't get that respect as a human in the beast world until you got the kung fu skills. Yeah. So other characters, I think, I thought the bunny lord, lord of the world, who's like choosing his successor, I thought he was really cool. I thought the way he would teleport from place to place and confuse everybody, like, and really, but not like teleport, like a beam of light and he disappears, like he would just sort of be in another place as someone walks in front of the camera or stuff like that. Yeah. I thought that was very well done. And I actually really like the whole lord montage where they go from lord to lord. Like the woman just sits in the, sits around stones and becomes stone, the illusion monkeys, yeah. Oh, I like that sequence. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. I was kind of torn on the bunny lord. I guess I felt like, how could, if he's supposed to be so wise, how does he not know that this dude is a human and that that's a problem? Oh, yeah. That's what you mean. <laughs> so oh. in that way, he kind of felt a little bit neglectful to me. Either neglectful or he did know or he just didn't care. He was an interesting character. And I like the two, the monkey dude and the pig dude that show up. It's like extended family. Yeah. The monkey, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, Kometsu's friends that like basically are the uncles to Ren. I really liked them. I liked how they played off each other and everything. Mm-hmm. And I liked how the three of them, Kometsu and his two friends, were just all so different from each other. It was nice characters. The music I thought was fine. I didn't really like notice it in a bad way or a good way. I'm not very um, observant of music and movies unfortunately. I thought that there was a really good use of silence. I thought a lot of times there was no background music and I, I liked that. So yeah, I'd say overall it was a pretty good movie. Yeah, and I think if you, and like I said it's very well animated and there's some really cool animated fights I thought that were very, not super bombastic but more as ground to, as down to earth a fight can be between two beast men. <laughs> but. I was going to say I think definitely I'm used to like more bombastic scenes from this yeah. animator and, there, and it just seemed like his focus was more on telling the story than like having something that yeah. looks really cool right and yeah and the fight i think especially the final fight for who's going to be the lord um really told a good story through yeah. the fight he initially like the beast goes way too hard because the well i don't want to go to it but it does it does a really good job of the fight didn't need a bunch of 
over talking to like understand what's happening. I thought right. they did a good job. I think if you were like saying like, oh, the other movies are so boring. Like this one has more action, I would say, but it's still not like an action movie by any means. <laughs> no, definitely not. I thought the in terms of like bombastic animation, I wouldn't call it bombastic, but like the whale at the end. <laughs> I mean, I already said this earlier, but it was really beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's just like imagery that's going to stick with you after the movie which overall i would say like a lot of the imagery i don't think is going to really stick with me that much but that part is it's not like spirited away where it's just like you just can't stop thinking about the imagery mm-hmm. afterwards you know uh, but a really well told tale i greatly enjoyed it i'm not sure where i put it in the other movies um you were a big summer wars fan i actually wasn't that big of a summer wars fan so it might have just been partially that i watched summer wars at a time where okay. yeah. i was just kind of still discovering anime and i was like uh, whoa yeah. Yeah. but still when i watched that movie i'm still like Whoa. oh no i won't say it's bad it's a, it's a good movie i just it didn't do it for me as much as i would say like the other ones he, like even i would even i like the one Beast actually more than i like that movie i like summer wars the best and then the girl who left through time that one's good too and then maybe the boy and the beast and then wolf the children, wolf children. Mm-hmm. definitely i don't know why just wolf children i never connected with those characters mm-hmm like I think I was supposed to. And with The Boy and the Beast, I connected definitely more than I did with Wolf Children. Although Wolf Children is really cute and pretty, and I do like that movie, but it's just, there's just something missing. I don't know how to explain it. I love this director, but like sometimes I just want him to get a little bit closer. Like, the camera get a little bit closer. Like, the script get a little bit closer to the characters. Like, I just want a little something more. And I think part of him not giving it to me is part of what makes it so good at times. Mm -hmm. That it's not, like overdone that way but like i don't know he like it's almost like he holds back too much i'm not making i don't know if i'm making sense or not but you are i guess you guess <laughs> for instance like if i say you're not it's not something, I really, it's something I really noticed i mean that you mentioned i remember it but i don't remember it hitting me at the time that his movies are like that but i guess maybe they are and i think about it i feel like some of his other movies get a lot closer like summer wars the camera gets really close at times i don't know i feel like it's more of an aspect of his later movies he tends to favor that but it's i'm not just talking about like camera closing closeness i'm talking about like an emotional closeness but in in a visual movie in a visual medium that's partially represented by the camera so anyway yeah well do we want to summarize oh i think uh, we said you said it's a pretty good movie i think it's very good i think people should watch it especially if you like the other movies still definitely worth seeing i should see what he's working on now because it's called um i forget what it's called i just was looking at the titles like mirai something i don't know if it's a how yet or when it's coming out but mirai of the future it's called Uh, 2018 film it has come out i don't know where i'm like i really like this director but like this wasn't the movie for me it came out over the summer Uh, maybe we'll take (laughs) we should look at that at some point yeah i just like want something slightly different from him so maybe it'll be that one okay so we both seem to like it so yeah. check it out. More about it. OG Link 2377. And what was I going to say? Oh, it's available on Amazon. We, we, we rent it on Amazon digitally, but it's available probably everywhere on Blu-ray and all that. It's not going to be hard for you to find. This isn't like a rare find. <laughs> I'm sure you can find a way to watch if you want to. This isn't 30 years yeah. ago. No. There you go. And there we go. Away from the microphones because the podcast is ending. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everybody.